0: Sefer Bereshit, Parshat Vayigash, on dealing respectfully with the other. In Parshat Vayigash, or and he drew near, Yosef, who's been reigning as Paro's right-hand man in Egypt, reveals his true identity to his brothers before sending them back to Canaan to retrieve their father Yaakov. becoming delighted to find out that Joseph is still alive. Jacob goes down to Egypt, bringing his entire family with him. Later in the Parsha, Yosef introduces Yaakov to Paro, and we see something that seems out of place in the Torah. Yaakov blesses Paro. The Torah says, the Yosef et Yaakov Aviv Paro the et And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And after a brief interaction, Yaakov blesses Pharaoh a second time before he leaves. This is rather surprising. Yaakov is the spiritual leader of Israel, while Paro is the most powerful man alive, and someone engaged in idolatry. And perhaps from a prophetic experience, Yaakov even knows the Jews are going to end up slaves under a future Pharaoh. Given what we generally think of the relationship between the Israelites and the Egyptians, This registers as a strange moment of cordiality. So what exactly is going on here? Rashi explains it as a gesture of little importance, saying, this was the greeting of peace, as is usual in the case of all who are granted an interview with kings at long intervals. However, the medieval commentator, Nachmanides, refutes Rashi on the significance of the bracha, on the the blessing. He writes, it is not royal protocol for a person to greet the king. Instead, it refers to a real blessing which Jacob bestowed upon Pharaoh for it is customary for aged and pious people who come before kings to bless them with wealth, possessions, honor, and the advancement of their kingdom. Rashi and the Ramban both note that Midrash Tanchuma interprets Jacob is having sincere goodwill toward Pharaoh. Rashi puts it most succinctly. He says a Midrash understands this more literally and asks what was the blessing with which he blessed him that the waters of the Nile might rise at his approach because Egypt, if it's not irrigated by rainwater But the waters of the Nile rise and irrigate it. And from the time when Jacob blessed him and henceforth, whenever Pharaoh came to the Nile, it rose at his coming, overflowed its banks, and watered the land. In the time of extended dire famine, in which this story takes place, such a blessing would have been immensely meaningful. Friends, we see a similar lesson about respecting the Mechanisms of Authority in of Avot, The Ethics of Our Ancestors, which teaches, pray for the welfare of the government, for were it not for the fear it inspires, every person would swallow their neighbor alive. In our present time of ideological combativeness and polarized vitriol, we can look at this moment of harmony Between Israel and Egypt, before the infamous fracture soon to take place, and see an example of the world we ought to try to restore. On Pharaoh's part, it is remarkable that he has even allowed Joseph, a Jew, to become the second most powerful in the land. It's also commendable that he's interested in meeting Joseph's father as a foreign spiritual leader. Both parties admirably across over the cultural, political, and religious barriers that divide them. Here we witness an illustration of ecumenicalism that we can replicate in hope of repairing the breaches that separate segments of humanity from one another. On a more political level, the meeting between Jacob and Paro can serve as a model for how to deal with competing groups. Jacob is able to bless Pharaoh twice, despite understanding how much instability and strife can emerge from such powerful people. In this portion, this Torah portion, we can find a foreshadowing of the commandment, the stranger who resides with you shall be to you as one of your citizens, you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Jacob performs a mitzvah like this, even before his people take possession of land and power of their own. A person's character is determined more by how they act to the most vulnerable than to the most powerful. Nonetheless, respect to the most powerful is essential. Today, this story serves as a reminder that as Jews under non-Jewish sovereignty, we must engage respectfully with people in power. To be sure, it is necessary to speak truth to power. And there are of course, times to publicly criticize power. In contemporary times, one of the blessings of living in a democracy with unprecedented securities that is we don't have to show respect to rulers merely to survive. Rather, it is an appropriate virtue in itself. We don't have to praise wicked people. Instead, we can praise those in power when they act righteously and practice a degree of restraint when dealing with those with ill intent. In Jacob's case though, he and his family are treated well by with a kind of Egyptian equivalent to the idealized American dream. Before Jacob shows the humility he does in his meeting with Pharaoh, Pharaoh proves to be a positive example for how to deal with immigrants. The Israelites are given land, work, food, and dignity. When those in power do good, it is crucial that we express hakaratatom, gratitude, and also that we deal in gracious diplomacy and public courtesy. We can additionally view the difference between, the difference Jacob demonstrates here as a precursor to the act of chesed, kindness, exhibited by Pharaoh's daughter in Exodus, where despite the order that all Israelite baby boys are to be killed, it's the member of the enemy group who by rescuing the infant Moshe, Moses, is in effect responsible for saving the entire Jewish people. By being the ones to reach out to those with whom we normally disagree, we can hope to draw them into our vision of justice and bring about a less divided world. May we work together to reduce polarization and build bridges. Shabbat.